Are you a hybrid athlete who wants to learn more about how to combine your strength and endurance training? Well, I've written a new book, The Science of Hybrid Training. In this book, I provide insight into the misconceptions surrounding strength and endurance training by distilling the past 50 years of research and drawing on the conversations I had with great scientists, coaches, and athletes on the Progress Theory podcast. This book is essential reading for hybrid athletes and coaches who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show. We went, uh, it's in the Screenstead, so just down the road. Down the road? Yeah. Screenstead? Not a fucking two hours drive, bro. It's down here, isn't it? It's down here. Down here from London. Down here from London. Yeah, anyway, down. Um, but, but you said about running, you only need a pair of trainers. Yeah, look at the commitment to do that. Yeah. It's, it's clear focus. And I was just thinking of, of a mate who's gone really into training with his CrossFit. And it's very much like, Full power to him, like he's really going for it and doing really, really well. But the amount of dedication in a small area mm. to get better at that, I was like, I want to be good, but I want to also do other things that lead enough. to. I don't find it skillful enough. I, I think it's a very cool thing. Like these guys are fucking badass, but where's the like? You got to play a backhand slice and the ball's spinning over your head and it's windy. Or where's the? What club do I play so I can get it up over the water, past the bunker and land it five foot from the pit? Like, there's not enough... Your, your skills are thinking of much more discreet, aren't they? Yeah, and I get that at some level, you need to swing the club and have strength in your shoulders and yeah, your back. Okay. Just like in CrossFit, you need to be strong. And I see these guys, like, I know obviously quite a few of these quite prolific CrossFit athletes that are doing... T- I mean, you do turf games and things. Mm. Some of these guys, you know... I can't do a handstand. These guys are handstand walking up and down. By no means am I making out that these guys are inferior or subpar athletes. Mm. It's just not... It just doesn't provide enough for me to double down on CrossFit. And again, we've talked about this before, I think, maybe not on camera, but I'm not a big believer in the, like, the sort of one-size-fits-all culture that is created with certain things. I think cycling has a pretty sort of we're cyclists and then there's everyone else. CrossFit has a we do CrossFit. There's everything else. I think golf is I'm in on golf and nothing else. Mm. And I just wonder, it's a bit like the vegans or the whatever. It's just this kind of I do CrossFit and I wear the t-shirt and I'll see you at the turf games. <laughs> and if you've got this new protein pack, it just the whole thing for me gets a bit like I think a lot of us don't give a shit life. about your lob wedge. They have their own groups and people go tribes. to those groups. It's tribes. Yeah, it's tribal culture, isn't it? It's tribes. And people suddenly identify with it, don't they? And then you've got other people that probably identify with several and then stay on the outskirts because they're like, well, I like parts of that. I like parts of that. I like parts of that. Venn diagrams, bro. Well, that's the exciting bit. Just over. That's what we're trying to do. Create your own brand. after this, it will be something very different to running. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be that running guy. Neither are you. We're going to switch it. Way too heavy for that. (laughs) Too heavy for that. But one, one thing is that each challenge is going to be something different. 
and that's gonna what's gonna make this as exciting as interesting and as exciting as possible. I want to demonstrate that you can Venn diagram your physical life and your training. Like you don't have to go well if I'm gonna be running. I need to lose weight, and then if I'm swimming, I need to gain weight, and then if I'm doing CrossFit, I need to work, you know, this, and then if I'm going to do yoga, I, what I'm trying to get at is I want to prove that you can morph, you can change, you can be a chameleon, your body's an incredibly, like, yeah. clever thing, and you can adapt quick, quick, man. But if you have a strong physical form, you have that athlete base, yeah, the foundation. and then it's like, okay, right, foundation, now I'm going to go in this direction, back in, now I'm going to go in this direction. And even to the point where you're not just like going there and back, new sport and back, new sport and back. You're probably going new sport, gain a lot from that. Round the foundation, Round the outside. Jump over the, the outside. And into the next one. Slowly going up. Because I can imagine a lot of our challenges are going to be quite endurance-based because there's a lot of adventure with the endurance-based type of sports. So, you know, we do an endurance challenge that's going to provide a pretty decent or increase our base the next one, the next one. I'm not going to say we're only going to do endurance stuff. No, absolutely it's, not. It's too... Um, there's too many other sports that are too interesting to get involved with. Yeah. To just focus on one particular To, to, to choose the physical. event is going to be difficult, you know, because there's, we're going to double down and, and really dedicate eight weeks of our life to something. It's going to have to be something fun, challenging, different. Like, it's going to have to be some real thought mm. put towards it. But nothing too big, too small. Mm -hmm. All in good time. But challenge one... Challenge one. How are you getting on? So it's five kilometers within 20 minutes yep. for me and 10 kilometers in 40 minutes. <laughs> I always enjoy saying that because yours is so much worse than mine. So much worse. It's literally double. Yeah. Um, so far, so good. I mean, we always promised that this podcast was going to be more around programming of the running, didn't we? Mm -hmm. So what i find most interesting before we actually go into a bit more detail is that we kind of started in the same ballpark because of different reasons really uh we're going to follow something that's relatively similar despite one's doing 10k one's doing 5k they're going to be similar but there's going to be slight tweaks which um is more specific one to the sport and two to us um as athletes and you know we have different physical capabilities so it's best to keep that um in mind when making decisions and three we have like a plan but it's kind of principle led and at the end of the day it's not going to go fully to plan nothing ever goes fully to plan so we need to be adaptable as we go through the eight weeks to try and make sure that we are still heading in the right direction mm -hmm. to think that you write an eight-week plan you follow it to to literally to the t it, it never happens. Yeah, this, never is a, happens. this is a war, and now each day is a different little battle. That's what I'm thinking about, and I hate that kind of, you know, you may have lost the battle, but we won the war. Like, there are days where I have to go, look, if I want to be able to do this in eight weeks, I'm going to have to take it a little easier today, despite the fact that I want to do it, or Phil's, art, like, Phil's been writing the, the mm. programs for us. You know, it's like, I get it, I get it. There are inevitably going to be setbacks and hurdles, but you think in general so far for you... So far, well, so far, so good for me. I've really quite enjoyed having a bit more of a focus because, I mean, we talked about having this as our first challenge for a while. So was, I didn't increase the running, but I wanted to make sure I had some form of running base so that I could progress on from. 
um, just because I'm heavy, just because I've had four knee surgeries. Um, <laughs> you know, the one thing I really struggled to get back after the surgeries was like an element of bounce. Overall sort of absolute strength, mm -hmm. yes, but ability to sort of bounce and a capacity to do that, which you need for running, like I kind of struggled with. Yeah. So I wanted to have something Has a bit it got better? There. Yeah, but... And that's from your work. That's like, from training. Yeah, that's from training. That's from training. And I'd hold my hand up. Like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast. I gave a, um, uh, a lecture on our MSc in sports rehab not too long ago at St. Mary's University where the title was what I've learned from having shit knees. <laughs> what legit, I, that was legit, the title. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember if I changed it because I chickened out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the key thing I wanted to get across is what I've been through two ACL surgeries and rehabbed back from both to get to a certain level. That level is I can play any sport now, which is great. But there's a million and one things I would do differently. Okay. So, and one of the key things was that I would focus on being able to, one, uh, just train myself to be much more bouncy. And to do that, you need to deal with certain types of stress, like landing stress. So with that, as you land, your muscles, your tendons are going to be lengthening and then quickly shortening. That's to be done really quickly. And then muscles have to sort of shut off. You know, the ability of a muscle to turn on and off really quickly is really essential. Because if our muscles were on all the time, we'd be sort of like robot man, wouldn't we? And that's a really key quality that a lot of people miss. And it's a key quality I didn't focus on in particular when I was coming back from ACL surgery. Um, so, so you've had four? Four. I've had four. Each time, have you got a little bit more sort of, okay, I know what works, what doesn't. And by the fourth operation you were more happy with your rehab or actually looking back all four of them combined I'd have done things extremely differently mm. uh, I was happy with a lot of a lot of the um, a lot of how it went, it went. Um, technically I had part of my hamstring the tendon taken away yeah. twiddled up made into a new uh, ligament and that was then Inserted so into my knee. It's just so clever. Well, every time someone says that oh, I had a dead person, I'm like, it's so clever. <coughs> I've seen it done. Yeah. Live. Live That's quality, yeah. Good. And one of the key things is is that because it's come from a tendon, tendons are used to having a healthy blood supply. So if you cut that off and then insert it between two bones where you get less of some nutrient supply, that tendon slowly dies and essentially becomes a brand new ligament. Um, but to do that, it needs to take time. So because you've just severed it, at the time of the uh, surgery, your tendon's relatively strong. Now, after it, a few months of dying, it then gets weaker before the, it then reasserts its new position as a ligament, so it gets then stronger. And that typically tends to take around six to nine months. But it creates that U, doesn't it, where there's a point where it's at its weakest. Um, that on average is around three months. So what I wanted to do... So the lowest the lowest point is at three months. So yeah. it's a nine-month programme. Three to six is the day, the bottom of the U. Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe not so much five to six, um, but around three months. Let's just say, different for everyone, but let's just say. And so what I wanted to do was to focus on sort of strength before I then got back to running. I wanted to get back to running because I knew every time you land, 
like people forget how much force is going mm. through your body like if you're just jogging at like three meters per second like the amount of force that's going through your knees is like three times body weight plus that's a lot of that's a lot of force so i was like well i'm going to do other stuff first before i reach that um and i actually think i got back to running mm, too late okay because with running you're like muscles on off on off every time you're landing you're in the air landing in the, in the air uh, and i think there are other exercises i should have employed earlier which isn't direct running but is of a lower intensity of it that I could practice that on-off, on-off type of muscle contraction that I wanted that's going to actually help when I get back to running. It's going to help with that bounciness. So when I did start running, I was just like, yeah, yeah, really sort of plodding along. And that's not what I wanted. And funny enough, I know we we're going to talk about the S&C stuff next in the next podcast, but you know the drills that we've been doing, yes. the A-walks, people. So, that's sort of running drills, but at a lower intensity than actual running. Mm. I should be spending two to three months practicing those skills, allowing my um, musculoskeletal system to get used to turning on and off mm. and turning on and off very quickly. But that's the thing, because with these exercises, they're turning on and off, but obviously you said it at reduced speed and intensity. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly you speed it up on the road. It's like, as you, I think um, I've noticed that when I start running after doing the drills, I'm a bit like... Yeah, you got you got it. Yeah, it's like you've, you've I'm very like I'm almost like um, an exaggerated version of the perfect like I feel runner. Yeah, I'm like, and then slowly you start to like ease in and just get used to that. Yeah. Um, those drills have been good though. Oh, I talk about the drills next week. Yeah, yeah, my things are really key, really yeah. key. Um, you look like a bit of a dickhead though. You're like. You look a keynote, don't and you? And there's always these guys. You know, <laughs> what is he doing? Jumping skips through like. <laughs> but they're good they're good I hope you're in full lycra when you do it I'm not I'm that's <laughs> the ultimate full keno yeah. yeah with um with like one team of sky bum, bum bags on you know bum bags and socks long socks bum bag long socks <laughs> <laughs> this is my warm up um right so we were going to talk about running volumes weren't we running volumes let's go so you're taking the lead on this, I'm afraid. This running volume thing, I'm learning just like most of the guys at home. So, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is your chance to shine. Let's right, go through okay. it. So well, I, I love seeing different running programs from loads of different people because it just shows the different level that people are at. So I can't remember seeing uh, the running program from someone uh, mm-hmm. who's like a top 1,500 metre runner. I think he put it up on Instagram and it shows like, AM runs, PM runs, what he does throughout the week, all that sort of thing. And you look at that going, wow, that is a lot of volume. But he can tolerate that volume because he's an elite runner. Uh, Interesting, so, only 1,500 metres. You, you'll be surprised just, um, when it comes to running volumes how similar mm. runners are. So that was one of the key things I wanted to learn a bit more about when creating these. Because I was doing 5K, you were doing 10K. Yeah. But the first thing isn't to think, well, yours is twice as long, so you're going to do twice as much running volume. You're like, that can't be right. That's, you know, technically in the grand scheme of things, we go from 100 metres to ultramarathons. Five and 10K are really quite close to each mm. other. So... Five and 10K, yes. 1,510 yeah. K. Yeah, 1,500 is still in that sort of short endurance or sort of sprint. Well, yeah, 800 to... Yeah. And you've got like middle distance and you've got long distance. So what I did 
I've been very fortunate. I spoke to Craig Winrow, mm -hmm. who is uh, the track coach, endurance coach at St Mary's University. Uh, and we came with, we discussed ideas of what might be appropriate for us. Uh, we came up with a training program, which I'm really quite excited about. Mm -hmm. It provides a framework that allows us to kind of start similar and then we can make slight adjustments as we go, uh, go along. One of the key things that we did differently, I think, than most people, people are so focused on, okay, this week I'm doing this, then this week I'm doing this, I'm progressing from week one to week two in this way. That's fine. But sometimes what, the only reason we stick to seven days a week is probably because of you know, what we're used to in cultural society because it's always five days a week, we work, and then two days off, yeah, we stick to that. We have, yeah. But you don't have to. So we developed something uh, over a six-day cycle. So six days, then next six days, and next six days. So over eight weeks, we actually achieve, I think it was like 9.3 cycles. Um, and that allowed us to get in the three different types of running sessions that I wanted to do. So I actually have... Yeah, pull it up. Pull it up, Jamie. Also, I think this is a good time to mention that I haven't really asked Bill for like an overview of what we'll be doing across the eight weeks in the six-day blocks. Phil has been uploading the workout from each day on True Coach. Yeah. And so I kind of wake up and don't get me wrong, I'm sure if I said, Phil, what's the game plan going forward? We'd sit down and talk about it. But I've kind of enjoyed mm -hmm. like getting up. Phil sent me like, today it's a medium run with a couple of S&C drills or it's a long run or it's an off day or whatever it might be. So I actually don't have too much of an idea about what comes next. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so I'm learning this as well for kind of like the first time, yeah, yeah. which I wanted to do to try and put myself more in the shoes of someone perhaps listening. Mm. You know, this isn't something I know a huge am amount about either. And it's going to help me in my job. So I'm looking forward for you taking us through this. Yeah, cool. Well, first of all, there's, there's almost like three different types of running sessions that we focused on. So the first one is just the, the slow jog. So easy running. Remember last week we looked at the different, uh, yeah, the three, three yeah, areas yeah, that we can nice, train. Yeah. So we want to be below uh, the lactate threshold. So that means we are only really utilizing the oxidative system, and we're running at a speed where our lactate clearance is sort of equal to the amount of lactate production. So we've got that area, and typically the long runs will sit in there. Uh, then you've got the bit between the lactate threshold and lactate turn point where um, you start to see an exponential rise in the lactate and like the body's getting rid of it, but you know, not at, uh, at a good way as it did before. So that means the amount of lactate in the blood is starting to rise. Then you get past the lactate turn point where the body's really struggling to use oxidative system to generate energy. So that means everything comes from anaerobic sources, more like the glycolytic system. So then you just get this whoosh of the lactate. So that kind of separated three areas, didn't it? Correct. Uh, so we, in the, the first below lactate threshold, that's where we had the, the long, easy runs. Then you've got the tempo runs, where uh, they are typically longer, but you're holding a particular pace or a particular... Heart um, rate, you got me to hold 130, is it? No, those are the easy, those are the easy, easy ones. ones. So that's roughly around 70% of your... Okay. So this will be at or around your lactate threshold. So for example, with me, my lactate threshold 
by Garmin is around 167 heart rate. Okay. So I would try and maintain a certain pace that we would generate that kind of response. Uh, and as I'll go and talk to you a little bit better, we actually focus more on paces when it comes to that. Okay. Because it's, it's gearing towards being more familiar with the type of pace that we would need to hold to maintain and actually achieve our yeah, goal. Yeah. Um, then we've got the other one is intervals. So that's that was the one that was one point five four minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it was four minutes. Yeah. So those oh, are Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Those Tuesdays. are shorter. Into, uh, I actually enjoyed those, and I think it was because I'd been doing some longer runs. It was nice yeah, to like yeah. open up the tank. I think we enjoy them more because we're so used to sprint stop, sprint stop. Yeah, because of all the rugby. Probably. Yeah. Um, or like a, a fitness class. It, it's yeah. never an hour. It's probably it's the nearest to like your yeah. high intensity exactly. training type thing. Um, so they're typically shorter. So we are, um, our tempos are either, you know, we want you to cover this distance hitting this pace or hit this pace over this amount of time. Um, so that would be around the lactate threshold. And ideally, like those intervals, because they're shorter, we can really go much quicker at them. That's going to have a real spike in heart rate. We're going to hit just above our lactate threshold. So um, we've got a point where We've got two types of training, the intervals and the tempo run, which is kind of the zone three. And then we've got the easy, which is the zone run. Yeah. So we form a uh, type of training, which is quite popular at the moment, called polarized training. So the idea behind that is that you've got 20% of your total training tends to be really intense. So that's the shorter interval training. Yes. 80% being... 80% the longer the longer slow runs so even though it's like the idea is we're covering both ends of the spectrum in very different quantities yeah you're doing four times as much long endurance type running as short high intensity yeah and the idea behind that is that it gets people to slow down like that means you just get there to practice the skill of running uh you become more efficient uh, through that you hopefully um become become better at utilising the Octodata system. That might even shift the lactate threshold um, to the right. And and uh, you may not know this, but uh, how did one come to the conclusion that it was better to do it sort of one part high intensity to four parts long and not half and half? Oh, okay. Well, one is typically from people burning out because they've trained at an intensity that's too hard to maintain for too long. I'm starting to see more and more runners go, oh, I wish I trained in that way. I wish I'd slow down for much more of the time um, because I've now injured, um, you know. So, it, I mean, I, the injury is far more likely with the, Yeah, uh, and it allows you to think, okay, I've got 20% of my training. Those are my hot sessions. A lot of the adaptations I'm going to get is coming from my hot sessions. And the rest of the time, it's the supplementary stuff that aids the hot sessions. Because if you trained at 100% every training session, you'd just completely burn out. It's Pareto's law. 80% um, of your adaptations come from 20% of the work that you do. It's the same with training, chain with business, or anything like that. Um, so it's using that principle to do something similar. And I think they had, I don't know too much of the history behind it from like a social side, um, but there was a Boston Running Club in the 70s had real success with this and they started to see really? you know, people like, hitting i think it was like they had the top 10 one year top 10 of the boston marathon um 
all from four, the yeah. four or five of them came from the same running club that were utilizing this style of training that no one else was doing. Crazy. I love shit like that. Like this, when you come across something, you're like, yeah. anyone's doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's so many times in sport where someone's just decided to hit the ball a different way or, mm. you know, use a the different... The flop. Yeah, exactly. There's the best example of all time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't Who's know this it, guy? Yeah. Who's the scissor? Chap? You know, yeah. the scissor kick. That was funny, man. Um, um, so that's you, interesting. That's, so that's, that's cool. what we, we're going to sort of structure training. And, I, and sometimes it's hard to like... But sorry, just to interrupt again. On that basis of sort of 20%, 80%, mm-hmm. on a six-day cycle... Mm-hmm. That means you're roughly looking at a day being high intensity, and the majority of the other sessions exactly. during the week. So Actually, that's, that's so... worth that's worth thinking about for like people listening and who are asking me about their training. Like, yes, go out in the park and do some running, but there is just as much benefit of coming in, yeah, yeah, yeah. going hard once. Um, what what is good about that is that if you're looking to follow a proper people... program, I'm not sure it's going to be beneficial if you just jump back and forth with no game plan but well people typically come from like one or the other they, they they do all of their stuff slow and long distance or they do everything too fast too hard all the time mm-hmm. so it's like finding a way of balancing the two i find and actually i'm show the people at home this uh, i'll just point it towards freddie just to discuss it because it gives an example of two of our cycles so for example tilt, tilt it further towards them and i'll swing around here for a sec just yeah i got you yeah perfect cool so, so cycle one, first six days. Day one, you've got your easy, shorter you run. You gave me seven k. Yeah, uh, and then day two, we've got our tempo run. Mm-hmm. Then we have a day off. Then we've got another easy short run. Then we've got our long easy run. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we've got three. There's our you know eighty percent, and we've got one. Yeah, two our, days off. Yeah, and I won't worry too much about um, overall kilometers at the moment because I've tried to structure it. So that's, we would have, um, yeah, so the amount of total K that we cover, like 20% that's of that. That's going to be different as well for you yeah. and I, right? Yeah. Quite different, but similar. I'll, I'll explain a little bit. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, carry on with you. And then cycle two, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, day one, we've got the easy short run, but then day two, we've got our interval session. So instead of like doing seven days and trying to cram a tempo run an interval session in as well, like it's we've just restructured the week so that we can spread it out and make sure that we maintain that 80%. So day two, then the cycle two is intervals, day three is off, then day four is the easy short run, day five is the easy long run, uh, and then, yeah, we've got another day off, and then we repeat. The I love process. those days off. Always. They're my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you feel like you've earned it after, um, like, because the day off... like this um, is really interesting because I've just seen it day by day drip through. And although, remember, you've heard me already say today, I think that was Tuesday, I think that was... The, now I'm starting to go, well, that was Tuesday. Uh-huh. And of course that long was Monday. And it's starting to form a little pattern in my head now. Yeah. And also going forward with the rest of the weeks. I mean, keep sending it, uh, it like the day before rather than in advance, but I can almost predict now what I'll be doing, yeah. which is cool. Just starting to think, like, I'll probably be doing something longer, something more high impact. Mm. I could do that there. I don't need to have a park. I don't need to, like these type of things I like, it starts to form a lifestyle. It starts to, you start to form like a, a structure around your life yeah. um, that incorporates all the requirements of the running program. It's, it's cool, man. It's cool to yeah, sit down yeah. on paper because before, obviously I knew you had a plan, but I was just sort of going, is it going to be a two hour run? Is it going to be 25 minutes? Am I going to need to run at all? 
you know? Yeah. And that changes things. You know, if I'm at work and I've got a treadmill and it's interval running, great. But if you're going to ask me to run 15K, 15K on a day like go, today, yeah, you've got to get outside. You've got to get outside. And that depends where I am. Treadmill. Yeah. I'm not a treadmill person. I don't mind it because I feel like um, I keep myself really honest with speed. Yeah. I know I need to run this speed in order to hit this target. Mm. And so I don't know if, if, if anyone, I don't know if this, I'm going to say this and people are going to go, yeah, no shit, bro. Everyone feels like this. But I feel if I'm trying to hit like a 430 kilometer, like whatever, it's like this. Oh, I can just put it back. Well, that's too fast. Yeah, and yeah. I eventually get there. On a treadmill, yeah. it's clean. That's oh. how I think about it. However, when the weather's like this and you're living next to Richmond Park, I, you never get me in the room. No. But, um... I don't hate treadmills. I don't hate treadmills. Mm. Certain treadmills. I think I run because I want to get outside because I've had enough of the gym. So that's probably one of the great. reasons why. Great. I just like the treadmill. Um, uh, so, in terms of our cycles, I'll try and explain what I'm trying to do. Actually, go for it. Yeah. I've got another slide. Because we've got to see how we progress that. So yeah. at the moment, we've just got, um, you know, you do a shorter run here, you do a longer run here, here's your interval session. It's like, okay, that's, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But how are we actually progressing then? And I, I've got this picture on the slide just to show how people typically will try and progress things. You, are you familiar with the term microcycle, mesocycle, and all that sort of thing? Yes, yeah, so okay. what the intricacies of each are, not sure, yeah. but these are words, yeah. So a microcycle might be typically a week, or it can be longer, can go up to two weeks. It's just sort of training blocks, and mm -hmm. with each block, you'll probably have a, a certain focus. Okay. Now, with volume, people try and, within these uh, blocks, they'll try and progress, and then they'll try and deload, progress, deload, progress, deload. So they're trying to increase linearly that way. Uh, and typically, I don't know, this might just be what you often see in textbooks, but it seems to happen over like four weeks. So okay. you've got week one, week two a little bit bigger, week three a little bit bigger. Taper off, yeah. Taper off, then repeat the process. Now, I often find that very, very too structured. Is week four a little bit higher than week one? It's it. I mean, this. I'm um, would you, you wouldn't you wouldn't drop back to where you started. You try and just start from a slightly higher base level. Yeah, mate, it depends. It depends it how hard you went in week three. Okay. Um, it depends on the athlete. If there's more of an elite athlete, the amount of deload you do probably wouldn't have to be as much. Okay. What I'm trying to utilize this picture to emphasize is I find that if you stick to a structure of okay, progress, progress, down, progress, progress, down. I find that, you know, if you reach week four, you're feeling good and want to keep going, well, why not? Why do you... Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. plan deload weeks, I think, are, I think are important, but I think you could do it a bit more structured-based to the athlete. So who's to say that that progress couldn't go on for six, seven, eight weeks, and then you deload? Depends on the athlete. I think there's almost to a point where you might play it by ear a little bit, they might start to plateau over seven weeks. Okay, now we'll deload, reassess, and then go again. So I think people should be a bit more flexible. And that's why we've got this. So what I've assumed is that the eight weeks we've got is one mesocycle. 
And within that, we are focusing and uh, on two variables of intensity and volume, and they are and they peak at different times. So as you can see by the the picture here, volume is the blue bars, yep. and intensity is the red line. And you can see what I've tried to do is that volume of work will increase each week and typically peak around five. Then it goes down. Okay, it's a bit like a yeah. upside down B. Intensity will increase linearly all the way up until around, these are the cycles, so each six day cycle, around cycle eight and then sort of taper off. So the idea behind that is one, that we're not peaking volume and intensity at the same time, yeah. because that's likely to be Burn problematic. Yeah. They increase initially together, because you know we come from like a low base, we're gonna do more running and we're going to increase the amount of speed that we're doing. So naturally things are gonna improve at the same sort of similar rate. Um, but the idea is that I've structured the intensity of the sessions so that they slowly get faster and faster and faster um, to the point where we'll have our fastest session around here. It's gonna be the most, almost like a mock uh, 5K, well, 10K, ask, yeah, that yeah. type run, and then goes down. We start taking off, leading towards the yeah. thing. Will, will so, the final block, the final six day block, be relatively calm? Calm, yeah, yeah. It depends. On, I'm only thinking back to the stairs where you were like, right from here, no climbing. Yeah, like we've, if we've I was had to extrapolate three. You said from Wednesday, don't climb. And what I was trying mm -hmm. to do is extrapolate in my head that two weeks to eight weeks, and then think there might be five days. Was it three? Like, because I think you had, it was a Thursday, wasn't it? You had your... your oh, then, then And then been. Friday you had one hour of climbing. And then Saturday, you, I'm sure you had the day off the day before. The day before that you had one hour. And then the okay. day before that was... So you can see I've gone... Mm -hmm. yep, that was um, the, yep, that was the downside of the Now, tip. the amount of decrease you have in both will depend on Absolutely. the time. And the event, yeah. Um, but this is like a very crude out, a uh, very crude diagram of what I was trying to achieve. It makes sense. Um... So yeah, th that is the overall plan if you look at it. And so like, we're about here. Yeah. Nice. So everything's still going up. Yeah. Pretty. I hope pretty. so. <laughs> because because uh, I'm, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous. So if I go back to this one. Okay. Just to explain what we're doing on each day. So the easy days, which is three of them, we're trying to keep below lactate threshold. Okay, cool. So the aim was just to try and run at your own selective pace, but your heart rate's around 70% of your max. Yeah. Which for us, Sorry. similar age, roughly 130. So maybe yeah. between 130 and 140, still quite easy. What we want from our tempos, they're much longer stretches of time. So we might be doing tempo runs for like 3K, 4K, 5K. And what I've done is for them is trying to plan and maintain around 4.30 or 4.20. Depends on us, because you're actually much more quicker than I am, so you'll probably start a bit lower. So as you go through the cycles, you, you'll go through three to four tempo runs. Yeah. Each one, you're getting faster. So you, the first tempo run might be at four uh, minutes 30 per kilometer. The one, yeah. Then you go to four minutes 20, then you go to four minutes 10, then you go to four minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are your tempo runs. And I need to basically be running sub four minutes every kilometre for 10 kilometres. 
I mean, those are just like, we might change how things progress as we go along. But those that you you can see I understand the maths of what we're trying to do here and how we're making the decision. With the tempo runs, we're starting above the pace we need and coming down. Uh, And then the the intervals, we're starting at the pace we need and we're going down even further to being even quicker. So typically i'd argue if we use pareto's law that 20 percent of our work gives us eight percent of our mm-hmm. overall improvements they will come predominantly from these sessions okay so that's where we go okay they're they are our hot sessions so we need to make sure that we are you know whatever we do throughout the week and just just to like just look at this three days here like well it's a six day cycle obviously not seven but like this is achievable like this is certainly this is time like most of your sessions very rarely go over now for the yeah. running. So these the people running. going, poor, you know, I don't have the time, the energy, because I'm constantly thinking what a client would be asking. Yeah, I'm yeah, constantly yeah. thinking when I say, you can do this, here's what I do. Yeah, all of oh, these sessions. I don't sessions, have the time, man. You can do this. All of these sessions are under an hour apart from the long run. Yeah, and most people would hope so you, you do that as an enjoyable kind of, you know, activity. Yeah. But, you know, many of the runs, I've been in and out the house in half an hour. Which, what I'm saying is, as someone that lives a fairly busy life and many of the people that talk to me and go, look, Fred, I'm trying to do this, but I don't have the time. And how would you advise it? Like, you can do it. Hmm. Half an hour, we can all do. You just have to make the sacrifice. I feel like a lot of people see me do like two miles and seven. I simply don't have five days to be doing this stuff. I don't have 10 hours to run the garden. I'm like, that's, this is a different, yeah. it's a different sport. You die, it's the last time you will. slow down to try and achieve the slow run that's what people find hard they go it's like oh, i've got an easy slow run i need to be at this heart rate and they end up going oh i feel really good i'm gonna go just sort of bosh this out really quickly what, what, what did i text you the other day so oh, i felt really good so i just went and boshed it <laughs> yeah i was like i felt really good so i was like uh that's not the idea but sure you, you probably know. get away with it in this sense because that's when, so when i think yeah. Yeah. So I really on. wanted to check in with where I was at. If I'm really honest, I did that one long run, that was eight k. Uh, not long run, but eight k, and felt good. That was my first run back after the stairs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was more just a gauge, and you know, I literally hadn't been on my feet running. Mm. And then the next day, you gave me six k. That was the tempo. The, the tempo run, and that was where I was like four k in, and was like, I'm ready. Like I'm gonna try and break a sub, twenty minute five k. I didn't quite do it, but I remember thinking, eh, I don't know if that was wise, but the reason I did it was because I wanted to kind of know like what my base level was. I mean, I never actually did a 10K kind of base run. I went straight to the 8K and kind of extrapolated. You actually did a... I did a... You did the 5K to I find out where you're at. Because we started on a Monday and on that Saturday I did a 5K. That Saturday you did it, yeah. And I got a five second PB. 
21.55. Let's go. So. Let's go. There'll be a new PB I mean, in uh, seven weeks. The sure. funny thing was, right? For sure. So I was doing it a track back from where my parents are, where I grew up. Uh, and there was like a group of runners that looked like pretty decent runners. They were doing it as well. Um, they were doing intervals of some sort. Uh, so you know how in Strava, where you put yours up, and if you've run the same sort of course for someone else, it says you've run with this person. Mm-hmm. So these people turned up on my Strava, and they must have seen me, because they've commented on my, my Strava saying, oh, really good race, really good sharing the uh, track with you. My mate's a coach if you want him. <laughs> and they must have seen me just sort of blowing, uh, oh, trying, to, trying to get some kind of oh, PB out so of this. Bad. I, I, the track, there's a, I, the track, my local one's in Battersea, and it's like, these guys are good. They're yeah, good runners out there. Good, and it's so humbling. Sometimes I deliberately go to the, like, off the track Richmond Park bikes, but no one's going to watch me going, <laughs> um, yeah, but, I was, I, well, I went for it. Yeah. yeah. So what I did was, is I tried to find the pace, what was a 5k pace, which was four minute kilometer and try and hold on for it as much as possible. I knew that wasn't going to work, but I just wanted to see what would happen. Uh, Cause I knew I could maintain that uh, pace for a kilometer. I was like, can I maintain it for two? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I maintained it for one kilometer. And so you I maintained started it for one kilometer and then was kilometer to like four ten. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. What did you actually run? 21. 21.55. 21,555. Okay. So the last kilometre... What's interesting is I worked out that if I continued at my 8k pace, we'd have three minutes 40 and you need to lose one minute 50 yeah. so it's again double the distance double the time to lose it seems like we're in a kind of similar position for our relative mm. subjects and in fact in the first podcast you said we're actually very similar with what we yeah. have done you know we're following the same strategy here okay um, so t- tell them about so the plan that you've been giving me mm. is it at the moment identical to you at the moment so far, you've had slightly more volume than I have. So if I've upped your volume on the long day, I then slightly up your uh, tempo volume. On the next day, yeah. Purely because, one, you need to maintain that pace for longer. And two, if I increase your easy miles, that means the 80 20% yeah, is, is skewed. So I need to change it to try totally. and maintain that. And it, it, we aren't actually... 80-20 every time. I think we no, start around yeah, yeah. 15, 85 and then it goes slowly to like it really gets around sort of like maybe between 20 and 25 through those last weeks where yeah. the intensity is still going up but the, the volume is going down. Um, so yeah, so, but at the moment we kind of stayed on a similar uh, volume of running and similar intensities. The reason being for that is you hadn't done any running since the stair climb. Uh, you mentioned that you have a history of... Uh, oh, I've gone blank there. Shin splints. Shin splints. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shin splints. Foot, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the first thing we want to make sure is that straight away, straight away your volume intensity is increased because you're running now. We don't want it too far. 
because then that increases the chance yeah, of symptoms yeah, yeah. happening. So it's better to start way too easy than it is to yeah, start way too hard. Absolutely. Because you have somewhere to progress to. So likely you're going to get a bit ahead of me because you're a better runner. Well, you're, you're saying this. You're, I'm, I'm heavy as well. Yeah, you are heavier. The, the heavier makes it a lot more difficult. So bet, yeah. the stress on the body for a heavier runner is, is more. So I could run less volume than you but the stresses on the body might be relatively similar yeah. because of just because I'm heavier. Um, and next week we're going to discuss S and C. So all the off days, like there has been some, like I, I personally really like them. They're not the kind of thing I've usually done. Mm. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that. I don't want to get too sidetracked today. It's purely the running side, but the S and C stuff in conjunction has, has been, has been fantastic. I mean, how do you feel right now? Do you feel like you're in a, Forget the like the program for that. You feel like the program is doing what you want it to do right now. You're we're on the right path. I mean, I can give you my thoughts, which is I'm feeling confident, way more confident, having a structure to follow, and knowing why the structure or the program is the way it is. Yeah. You know, as much as I I joke that it's quite nice waking up in the morning. Phil Price has sent you his true coach workout. I'm like, twelve k, cool, right? I understand why I'm sort of doing it. Um, but I'm, give, I'm given more confidence now thinking, okay, if I just keep hitting this, don't panic. Like we can get there, mm. um, between you and I though, and every other person listening, I didn't think it would happen. I thought I'd give it a fucking good go, yeah. but I really doubt this will happen. It's just about how close yeah. now it's like, stay disciplined, yeah. stay committed to the plan. There's every opportunity to do this. Mm. There are already curveballs as we've discussed, but I think I feel good and I like the um, it's a real luxury to have you send these things because I'm not very confident with my own programming like I've never really followed much of a system and kind of gambled and plagiarized of other people or things I've heard as you know there's so many mixed messages now it's been Mm -hmm. hard to try and stick to a script but actually just having someone say go and execute is my favorite thing like those that know me better know like i don't really like making decisions hmm. like i just don't i'd much rather say here's your job go and do that to the absolute best of your ability and report back yeah like the, the trusted right hand man you know the doug stamper from house of cards i'd much rather be him, you know or the chief of staff but not the president and it's like this it's like a turn up i read it and i love it and like this morning i went out and did a little bit and like it's a really nice um program you put together and now to hear you talk about why the program is the way it is is even more like okay i understand what i'm meant to be doing here how i should be feeling mm. how is this going to be- benefit me going forward and then obviously next week the s and ski stuff but yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying it and way more confident than i was this time last week when we had oh, this time two weeks ago when we had our chat mm. um oh, that's good yeah you're, do- you're good. doing great <laughs> So well, half half the battle is making sure that if say if you're a coach and you're working with the athlete, you want buy-in from the athlete in you. So if you can get the athlete believing that what they're doing is going to head them in the right direction, then they're going to put they're going to fully intent into that yeah. training program. And do not underestimate. And then that is ultimately what's going to make them better. Yeah, you know, it's not, not going to go half-assed into something. You know, a big thing for me is um, I get a lot of people saying to me, I "Really want to do it, but I hate running." Or I want to go. Look, part of the reason I'm enjoying this is because it is fun. Mm. Like the moment I'm not having fun, I'm not interested. I don't need to do this to make money. Like I don't need to do this to 
to just like prove something to anyone. Like this is simply like, I really enjoy running. Like it would be really nice to see if I could do mm. this. And I don't find what you put together like a chore. Does that make sense? And anyone that would find it a chore, I think you've got to have a think about why you're doing it. Because as we said with the creation of this podcast, it's like, yeah, we want it to do well, but we're just going to try and enjoy the process. And with that, we'll probably create something mm. quite, quite good. I think if, if you weren't enjoying it, it's the wrong program. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to go soft in the program to make you enjoy it. Some people, you know, the that's what is, makes... What's the enjoy... What, how would you not enjoy the program? Don't like running all the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you're going to gonna struggle and join a running program if you don't like running. Yeah. So I would find, I'm a, sure I would be find a way of liking running first before you do a program. Like, I can already predict us doing some kind of weight-based challenge. Mm-hmm. One minute max, something like that. Like, I'm totally frank, I don't love it. But I love the challenge of saying, right, for eight weeks, it's like revision for an exam. You know, I hate revision. We all hate exams. But there is a feeling of sort of, well done. You know, when you when you do a difficult thing. So mm. as much as this one falls into my lap, I'm like, by nature, if someone said, what do you consider yourself? I'd go, runner. You know, that would be my honest answer. It would be, mm, Runner, you know, it's fun that word for that then, yeah. Multidisciplinary, well, sports, but yeah, we that's an outfall, but but you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, I'm lucky the first one we've done already, I kind of enjoyed it before I knew what was coming, yeah. There will be ones where I'm like, oh god, you know, I wouldn't say I love swimming, you know, I did a lot of swimming, I didn't didn't love it, I think it was gonna hold very good, but I love the challenge of getting better, Mm. I love the that was easier today. I felt calmer, and all those things I think you have to buy into. So, so th- actually, that's a funny thing you said that because you know how people there's the argument between nature and nurture, mm-hmm. and typically the ones that sort of start to practice and get good at sports is because they were good at it first. Mm-hmm. Well, because they were good at it, they enjoyed it more, so they mm. worked at it a bit more. So it's like. That's not to say if you weren't very good at it at first, you couldn't get there, it'd just take you longer. Oh, absolutely. But typically, people... It's so that, obvious, that, though. People that get better, yeah. it's because they were When you're told you're good at something, at the beginning. when you start, you know, getting a, applause or positive reinforcement, you know, you hit a good tennis shot. Wow, that was a great shot. Thanks, Dad. You know, and, like, you go and do it again. Whereas you, you shank a golf club, your dad goes, you're probably going to say, can we play tennis tomorrow? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it just slowly starts to unwind. Which is why, like... I. You know, we were talking about this at the very start. Like, the moment I've got quite good at something, I tend to just give up. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just being tough. Like, it, it happens all the time. Like, double marathon, what next? I'm not fucking done with that shit. Like, and then it's like, this, I enjoy being at the bottom of a ladder that I need to climb. I've always found this in any discipline. Like, would you rather be the bottom of that class or the top of that one? Or would you rather be the best player for Crystal Palace? Or on the bench for Chelsea. Always on the bench for Chelsea. Not because I'm a Chelsea fan. But my point being is, I always want to be looking up, challenging myself to go higher, than kind of looking down going, I need to maintain. And it's funny. Anytime I got good at a sport, I bailed out. Oh, you just got, you know, academies or youth trials or whatever, gave up. You know, I was really crushing it with the discus before I left school, believe it or not. The discus came really natural to me like I was doing real good. As soon as I realised I was turning up athletics tournaments and beating guys with one throw, you know, who had all the light crew on and shit, doing the four spins, I'd just turn up. 
this deep breath <laughs> and forearm. throw it, mate. I was sick. I'll be honest. It was Skimming stones. Discus, it's very interesting to me. The discus is probably the one event slash sport that I genuinely picked up the plate, threw it, and everyone went, you've done this before? And I was like, no. And obviously it's not a particularly glamorous sport. It's usually quite sort of in the cage. You know, like, and all <laughs> my mates are there gracefully, shoulders dipping around the corners of the 400 meters. And I'm only thinking like, no, I haven't. And, and if I'd really tried and like learned all the technique and stuff, maybe I could have been quite good. But the moment I realized, no, oh, it's easy for me. Just dropped it. Went off and played cricket. Well, I was shit. <laughs> you know, like, I wasn't shit, but I, I did all right cricket. But you know what I'm getting at? It's like um, running is probably the, the only thing where I've gone, I'm good at this. How much better can I be? Yeah. The others have been, any more, I'll turn into one of those golf nerds. Any more, and I'll be that knobhead tennis player. You know, any more of this. You've already be, been boxed in. Uh, I think. Boxed in a certain. I think, I think, look, 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 look at my career, right? In, in my dream world, I would be like a PT for a year, I'd go and be an actor for a year, I'd come back, I'd join the military for a year, I'd go off and be like a sports agent for a year. Like, I truly love change and transition. I, I hate being like stuck, I hate doing the same thing. I, I still plan on speaking five languages and living in 10 countries. Like, I really do. This is not just like me saying it. It's caused me a lot of grief with girlfriends and parents and all sorts. But it's the same idea. It's, it's, it's this idea of, Right next, and it can be really damaging, but part of the reason um, people excel in their careers or their chosen field is because they pick the one they're good at and like, and then double down on it. And things are sort of replaced, uh, uh, things are overlooked now, because think back at school, right? Like you did what, 10 GCSEs? I don't know how many people do these, 10? And then you were slipped down to four, and then you do a degree, and then you do a job, right? There's a chain, right? And I feel like when you're a kid, doing sport, you do PE and you do gymnastics and you do all of these things and they're all really cool and then suddenly you're asked to drop the others because you know you can either do cricket or you can do tennis or mm-hmm. rugby or hockey. My school didn't even play football, fine, so that one's gone. And then you eventually get to this point where like, I am a cyclist. That's how I look at it and I'm like, I don't want to be, you're right, boxed in to that triangle. You want to go back to GCSEs? I want to go back to doing the GCSEs where I was kind of good at biology, quite enjoyed French, art, didn't love art, but it's actually quite fun. And then DT, <laughs> like I liked doing a bit of everything. And then people go, you should be a haptathlete. Well, again, I think that's too boxed into the athletics world. Mm. But if there was some kind of like, right, you've got to ski the mountain, swim across the lake, jump on a bike, climb back up the mountain, paraglide off the top. Then when you get to the beach, you've got to get on a surfboard yeah. and paddle out, surf the way. Like this is <laughs> how I, this is or... how, I, yeah. By the end of it, you know, you're like, <laughs> archery, do, yeah, wrestling, fucking bear, taking rounds, yeah. It, that's how I want to be. And I totally understand that people go, I don't have the time, don't have the energy, I'm not interested. I like baseball. I'm a baseball player. I want to be the best pitcher in the game. I get that. I've never had that drive. I'm literally, I've always, this is my joke, me and my dad. We always say things like, if the Martians invaded tomorrow, who's your starting lineup for the uh, all world 15? You know, we always talk about like, and I've always said, what I want to do is put myself in the position where if the Martian invaded, I'm the last man standing. The CrossFit boys, they're going to be sick at getting over the wall and then climbing the rope, 
get into the top of the tower and then they can probably fight them off because they're pretty built. And then someone's going to ask them to fire a bow and arrow to kill that guy on the horse. You know, like, mm. it's, a, it's a bit of a sort of Mickey Mouse way of saying, I want to be able to swim, jump, run, climb, throw, chuck, push, pull, and be like a 360 human being. Not an athlete, like a 360 human being, like problem solved. Like part of the reason I got into golf during this period is, and don't get me wrong, I don't have any desire to be on a course. I really don't. But the driving range, I say to myself, right, if that club didn't exist, mm-hmm. how would you put the ball on that green? This is the kind of game I play. Right, your sandwich is the club everyone would take. Move that out of the way. How would you play this shot? Right, so I go one club less. I've got to probably take a little bit off it. I've probably got to hit it with a lower trajectory. If I, and I love this kind of problem solving of, mm-hmm. and sometimes with running, it's just a question of lacing them up and running. But what we're doing now is like, not quite problem solving, but, but playing with ideas to, to end up with a better result, being a better, more skilled athlete. And Sounds like this whole project's the perfect thing. Exactly, exactly. Each and, one's going to be and, different. And, and, and in a weird way, I mean, you've known me for a decade, but like, and I, and I know you, you know, you've always been very into your sport and played multiple different sports, top universities and stuff. It's like, again, at uni, I played one year of rugby when I could have played three. Why? Because after a year, I was done. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the rugby player. Like, I went and tried NFL. I was not top there. I tried it, you, yeah. Well, quarterback. I, I, went, I was like, I could be a kicker in the NFL. <laughs> I was like, seven million straight in front of the... Bro, I was hitting them from the touchline with a bigger ball. And then, uh, and then I got there like, we don't do kicking. We just go for extra points. So I don't know how much you know. Really? You have a choice in the NFL. You can either go for one point yeah. through the post or you get a second shot at a play. But if you score essentially a mini touchdown, oh, okay, you no. get two points, yeah, yeah. which is a way of um, like... You know, still winning when you're seven points behind mm-hmm. because you can go for a two point and make it eight. Mm-hmm. I was like, and they were like, no, we just go for a two point. I was like, yeah. in that case, Thanks. I'm playing quarterback. <laughs> it's much harder than it looks. But um, yeah, you know that, that that's again why the ch- why this program, well, this, why this project is going to be fun and interesting, but also why I feel running is such a fundamental part of everything we do. It's the one I like most. It's the one I feel I'm probably best at. What a great start. Mm-hmm. And I'm really enjoying the program. I'm looking forward to talking about the S&C stuff as well, because that is the part that I haven't enjoyed as much in the past and am enjoying. Yeah. Um, and understanding the benefit of doing it. It doesn't have to be fun at the time, but knowing why I'm doing it, how this is going to benefit the actual running side of things. Mm-hmm. Is a real. I wonder if that's because SNC has this real preconception of what it is, and really, you know, people think, oh, it's weights, it's getting stronger. Well, you get stronger in many, many different ways, and it needs to be kind of specific to what you're doing. So, <clears throat> it's the difference between you know people knowing their stuff, and then people just you know, you know, you might be coached by someone that's a powerlifter. And because they're a powerlifter, they love powerlifting stuff. All their programs are like overly have a powerlifting flavour to them, which might necessarily not necessarily be appropriate for that person. I like um, I'm not saying all powerlifters, powerlifting coaches are like that. But there's this, you know, oh, you need to be stronger. Yeah, it would need to be stronger, and they focus on absolute loads because it's easy to monitor. You know, oh, you squatted this much here, and you squatted this much here eight weeks down the line. Oh, we must be better at our sport. 
Well, you might be. Yeah, you might be. <laughs> John, we used to watch World's Strongest Man Sunday nights. We used to yeah. watch World's Strongest Man. Marius uh, Pudzianowski. Pudzianowski. We might have to do a strongman challenge one day. <laughs> That'd be great. Lifting, what are they called? Could we do that with the... Because if you go full in with that, you've got to change body shape. And Mate, well, I'll have to go over. Hunt. Depends what category we would be. But we're quite tall guys. I'm 6'2". I'm 6'1 and a half, yeah. Yeah, six, so... Mate, you got, we got to get heavy. Is there enough time just, for just, that? Dude, from the stairs, I told you this, I was hitting, I hit nine, so before all this, I was swimming. I mean, mm-hmm. you, we know this, but I was trying to put on mass, and it was, I was at 90, which is one of the heaviest I've ever been post-rugby. Yeah. So at uni, I was like 92, with a little bit too much beer, so it wasn't like a trim 92. Then mm-hmm. it was 90 lean. I was 71 this morning. 71? So when I finished, um, I was good for running. Uh, was I? I think I'm eighty-one. Seventy-one. I was like, (laughs) Jesus, he's seventy-one and he's a fucking hobbit. No, I just can't tell you what I was saying there. Um, It's eighty-one, ten kgs. But my training, my diet hasn't changed. It's simply, I think the stairs fucked me up hard I think I dropped like seven or eight there but really? just to doing the running again has lightened me up so what I'm, what I'm saying is that if we were to then flip 360 and again you know we were talking about our mm. like I need to put on size because mm. I feel actually um, I'm in that unique not unique but more sort of unusual category which is the less I do the thinner I get the shitter the food you know like I start to wither mm-hmm. like most people go oh mate I've been putting on the pounds I'm like no I need to like really, really train just to try and keep some sort of mass. Yeah, yeah, By yeah. nature, I go quite. I shri- I shri- you shrivel well. as well. Yeah. Prunes. <laughs> we shrivel. <laughs> Shrivelers. Change the name of the podcast. It's not even cold. Shrivel theory. Got to use cold yeah. as an excuse. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that? Yeah. What I was going to ask you is, if someone wanted to have a look at that program you've done, is that something that's just ge- generic online, or are we going to be maybe putting up some some visuals, some links to these? Hey, I can I can put this on our Instagram. Account. I think we should do that. I'll do that. do that. Just like a couple of stills yeah, so people can come and have a look at it. And explain it. Um, I mean, I can sort of summarise where I think people should, what people should think about when creating their own programme. Um, well, this is what I think. I mean, uh, you and I, like, we're doing this, but I, it, I keep thinking if someone wants to buy in, like I spoke to a few clients, they're like, oh yeah, well, I'm hmm. going to do your programme. These kind of things, obviously they can see it on the video, but if they happen to be listening to it in their ear right now, mm-hmm. Can they, they can go on Instagram and we'll chuck that up so that there's a little visual diagram of what yeah, we've yeah, been yeah. talking about, yeah? Um, yeah, if I like summarise the the programme and where I think people can make changes based on themselves, I think uh, that would be really beneficial for everyone that's listening. Um, so let's summarise for the fact that I've changed, from we're doing a six-day cycle. Yep. So don't always feel like you need to stick to a seven-day cycle. However, if sticking to a seven-day cycle is easier because it fits around family, work, then I would do that because they ultimately come first. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically, you want something that's going to be easy enough for you to do because that means you'll be consistent at doing it. And that means you'll be a better runner because it's consistent. However, I'm saying that people don't necessarily have to stick to that. Mm. So we've got a six-day one. Um, within that, manipulate certain different types of training s- sessions. 
So you've got the long slow run, you've got the tempo, tempo run, run, and then you've got the, the final interval, yeah. the intervals as well. So I would manipulate your sessions so that you'd be able to get a good spread of all of those. Remember that your tempo runs, your interval runs, are your hot sessions. So most of the adaptations you're going to get are probably coming from the hot sessions if we assume Pareto's law. So 20% of your work comes from 80% of... Uh, Let's put up a little... 20% uh, of the stuff you do post. creates 80% uh, of the stuff you get. But there's also a lot of um, literature out there which explains the 80-20% rule. Um, I actually have one down here. Available in all good bookstores. Um, there are actually loads. Of, I'm reading another one called 80%, 80-20 rule. Uh, but I found this one explains the physiology behind um, the 80-20 or polarised training really quite well. Um, training so, for uphill athletes. Yeah. And that's by... Is that what Killian Journey? Yes. Killian Journey. Do you know about this guy? He's a, I'm a big fan of Killian Journey. Well, it was, it was written by Steve House and Scott Johnson. Um, I just added Johnson. his name because he's a legend. Yeah, <laughs> but I think he does a few bits and like experience yeah. stuff in that. So yeah, it's it's. I actually recommend this book. Okay. Um, so Brilliant. definitely check that one out. And we'll put a note to that as well in the um, in the thing. Yeah. We'll put a story up or something with the book. So yeah, and then try and organise these sessions. So you've got your hot session. And the rest of the time, you've got your uh, easy sessions and try and keep them easy. Don't try and like, oh, I'm going to go out for a 6K run. It's supposed to be my easy stuff. Then all of a sudden, I'm going into that moderate section. Because if you, you do that a few times, you'll probably, probably be fine. Yeah, but if you but kept doing it, sustainable here, yeah. it could increase the chance of injury. It also means that if you're doing a lot of moderate sessions, there's less chance of your hot sessions being hot because you're knackered from all the other stuff. And that's just a supplement, not mm. to affect it. So we want to make sure we get that polarised structure to make sure that our main sessions are the ones that we're going full bifter on. Sure. Full uh, bifter. Full bifter. So, yeah, I would structure it like that. Um, and you may push it uh, a little bit harder if you've got eight weeks like we have. We might push it a little bit more. But just think very uh, slow progressions. Slow and steady. Remember what progress theory means. It's all about those small wins consistently. Small and consistently. that's the philosophy of our training programming here at the moment. It's all about being consistent. If you're not consistent, you're not doing what you're supposed to be getting better at. So you're not going to get <coughs> good at it. So um, <clears throat> that's why I chose the 80-20 or polarised training approach, because I thought it was the best chance of allowing us, with people with past injuries, that are quite new to running, don't do it all the time, to be consistent. I think it's working so far. So next week is S&C, which is basically the part two of our training. Mm -hmm. And then the last one will be the, the grand finale. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, what we're going we're gonna to talk, we'll talk about it. But, but, but the S&C one I'm interested in, and I think a lot of people will be interested in, because yeah, yeah. what did I say to you before this all started? Shit, I didn't even know this would help Like in this time. It's helping. Mm. It's helping. So I'm really looking forward to it. But no, it's good. in the it's meantime, good. what I want people to do is ask questions. Ask questions. Write to us. Let us know what made sense, what didn't, um, what we didn't cover in enough depth or what you found we did cover in appropriate detail. Um, you know, like part of this for us is to learn as well, you know, and hear what people are getting on. And just if you are doing anything along those lines, like give us give us your updates. Um is there yeah, anything exactly. else you, you, you think we should add? 
Now, I mean, I've you... learned a shit ton. I'm gonna, I, I feel like I've been a little quieter in the main section because I'm not actually just like really interested. And I, I truly believe that if I'm interested and, and you know, I'd like to think I know a little bit about this stuff. Um, there's going to be so many people that are going to really be like tuned in and listen to it. Mm. So, so thank you for doing all the real no hard worries. work with, with, with this. And... and I think it'd be good to mention that, you know, this stuff is out there for critique. This isn't, okay, everyone do this because this is the right way. So mm. no, this is the approach we've chosen for these reasons. So if everyone has any other experiences that they want to share... Done this before, done polarised training, let's yes. bring it to the table. Yeah, yeah, bring it together, because if we then did another eight weeks to try and get... Like next week, Mike from Kent <laughs> says, uh, Dear Phil and Freddie, You're love talking. the podcast. <laughs> awesome John Terry shirt in the corner. <laughs> anyway, Pareto, bullshit. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Fuck you, bro. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I enjoyed that one. That was good. That was like a... Well, look, you've got to remember, like, this is in a weird way, and it's not to brag you, but, like, you're a pro at this. You are a professional, almost, like, lecturer. You you can take information and present it in a way that is applicable to someone like me or someone like them, you know? And um, hearing you do it face-to-face and for the guys at home is, like, you know, privilege, so thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> I try. <laughs> I, I, I try, try hard. Good. Um, it's always, like you said, it's always a learning experience. Every time, the best way to learn something is to teach something. Absolutely. So, I find that too. You know, this is also an opportunity for me to try out new ideas. Will they, will they work? Well, there's let's sound scientific principles behind them, but let's, let's, let's find, find let's out. Like, I don't know. Um, as always, subscribe. What's the quote? Use it. Subscribe, like, follow, share. Repost. Tell your um, friends. Tell everyone. Tell around. everyone. And um, yeah, just uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll be back for mm. episode three. Three. Follow us on Progress Theory. Progress Theory. Freddie Reedhead. Phil Price. The Price. The Price app. And um, yeah, look out for these. Uh, what would you call them? Not diagrams. I call them slides. Or... Yeah, I've created them as slides. Slides. Look out for the slides. <laughs> All good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous. Oh my god. That's gonna be oh. <laughs>